Hello, everyone, and welcome to Seek Search. I'm your host, John Bingham. I look forward to our time studying and applying God's Word together. This is our first broadcast, so let me say a few things by way of introduction. First, why the name Seek Search? It serves as a reminder of a couple things we always need to be doing. For starters, we need to seek God. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. That's how the New American Standard Version states it. It's interesting to note a couple other translations of this verse. The New King James Version says that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And the New International Version says those who earnestly seek him. We definitely need to be encouraged and reminded to take God and the pursuit of God very seriously. In Matthew 6, verse 33, as part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus urges us, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So, we need to step back and ask ourselves, we need to challenge ourselves, am I really doing that? Is that where my focus is? Or am I caught up in the cares of the world to the neglect of God's things? Jesus goes on to say in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. So, if we genuinely seek God, asking, seeking, knocking, if we genuinely seek God and His kingdom and His righteousness, we will find now, there's a great Old Testament example of diligently seeking in the description of Ezra. In Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10, the New King James Version says, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, and to do it, and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. Other translations, such as the New American Standard and the ESV, say, that Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord. So this seek concept has a connection here to serious study and application of God's word. So when we, like Ezra, are diligent to seek, we will be preparing and setting our hearts to be studying God's word and doing what it says putting it into practice in our own lives, and then teaching and influencing others around us. So, first of all, this program, Seek, Search, is intended to provide spiritual encouragement for us to seek God and His kingdom and His righteousness according to His word. These ideas and the example of Ezra remind us of 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15. The old King James puts it this way, Study to show thyself approved unto God, 
And the New King James Version updates it saying, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. The English Standard Version says, Do your best. The whole verse says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. That's what we need to seek to do. But how can we do that? How can we really do our best to rightly handle the word of truth? That gets us to the second word in our name, search. The Bereans in Acts chapter 17 are highly complimented in a description that sets a great example for us. In Acts 17 and verse 11, the New King James Version says, These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. This attitude and approach is so important for us to have. First, we need to receive the word of God with all readiness. Other translations say with great eagerness. Are we ready and eager to receive God's word? I think you are. I think that's why you're listening to this broadcast right now, and that is commendable. Thank you for your interest. Yet, with that, we need to not simply take in any and all claims about God. As part of their eagerness, they searched the scriptures. The New International Version says it this way, They examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. And that's what we need to do. I invite you, I urge you to consider, when people tell you something about God and his word, do you search the scriptures to see if what is being said is so? Well, as for me, please, don't simply take my word for it. Please search the scriptures to see if what I'm teaching is the truth of God's word. It doesn't matter really what I say or the fact that I said it. What matters is what God has said in his word. And what I say had better be in line with that. In our discussion today, I hope you've noticed that I've used a lot of Scripture. That is my preference. I wish to let the Bible lead and do the talking and the convincing, since God's Word is what matters. I fully trust that God has preserved His will in the Bible. His Word is reliable. It is our true guide. I hope you firmly believe that too. And you may have noticed that I tend to refer to a variety of translations. Perhaps you have a favorite translation. That's fine. Certainly check what I say from other translations against the translation you prefer. I think you'll see that the truth is upheld in the quotes I give. The purpose of Seek Search is to provide spiritual encouragement. Our focus is simply the Bible. As we study together, I hope to remind you and challenge you to really seek God and search the scriptures to discover the simple yet profound truths therein.
One other thing, a programming note. From week to week, sometimes it'll be just me, but other times I hope to invite a guest in for conversation about a great topic. Hopefully both ways of doing the program will be interesting. Let me pause here to say I would love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out to me with your comments or questions. My email address is seeksearch, all one word, seeksearch at yahoo.com. Also, if you're on Facebook, look up Seek Search as two words and like the page. I look forward to connecting with you in these ways. Now, let's dive back into the Bible for more thoughts by way of introduction. Let's look at a large passage for a while. If you have your Bible with you, open up to Acts chapter 17, and we will read along together. I'm going to use the English Standard Version, but again, whatever translation you enjoy, go ahead and look at it from there. Acts chapter 17. The reason why I'm picking up with this long reading is I want to pick up from the previous mention of the Bereans. The Bereans ended up uh, being commended for how they were receptive to listening to what Paul had to say, but searching the scriptures to see whether it was so. But the Jews who were from Thessalonica ended up coming over to Berea and disrupting things. I wanted to pick up right after that description and, uh, and talk about what happens next in the ministry of Paul. Verse 13, But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. Now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons, and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. So this is an interesting situation where Paul is persecuted in Thessalonica, goes to Berea. In Berea he's having much more success, but there's persecution that stirs up because some Thessalonians against the gospel come and uh, raise persecution in Berea. So Paul leaves and is just going to hang out in Athens for a while, but when he sees what's going on in the city, he is stirred to speak up. So Paul starts out, by going to the synagogue to talk with the Jews and the devout persons, those who would have access to the Old Testament law and the prophets, and tries to reason with them, but he doesn't confine it just to one day a week. He ends up going to the marketplace to those who are of any persuasion, religiously or not, and tries to reason every day in the marketplace to those who happen to be there. Well, that strikes up a new opportunity for him. 
Let's read on in verse 18 and following. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him, and some said, What does this babbler wish to say? Others said, He seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities, because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So that's the reason why he got invited. Paul was bringing something that sounded very new and different to them. So he gets to go to the Areopagus. Now imagine this opportunity. In our modern vernacular, what that is, is Paul got to go do a TED Talk. And so let's see how Paul handles the teaching here for this uh, Athenian TED Talk opportunity. Verse 22 and following. And I'm going to go ahead and read this whole section of everything that he says and then have a few comments after that. Verse 22. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art of imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. That ended up being the end of his TED Talk because at the mention of the resurrection, that got a wide range of reaction. But let's go back and look at 
A couple of things. Boy, there's so much here that could be said. Perhaps that'll be for another day. But I do want to review a few key concepts. Let's think back first about when Paul went to the synagogue, he went first to those who were the Jews and the devout individuals who would have first access and knowledge to the Old Testament writings, the law and the prophets. And so he would reason from those scriptures. But in this circumstance, he is facing a pagan group, those not familiar with the scriptures. And so he starts at a different point. And when he starts, he appeals to something that they have in common. We're both religious. And then he points to something that is an open door within their religious thought. You have what you think is an unknown God. You're not sure what to think about that. And so he points to that and says, let me describe the God you don't know. And what a description that is. Go back and enjoy some time just reading the description of of verses 24 through 26 about the great nature of God and how it's so different from the limitations man uh, puts on him, especially uh, pagan deities and all that kind of thing. There's one little nugget in there I have to mention, and that is... God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth. That wipes out the temptation of racism that any might have in their minds. But the one thing that I'm going to go ahead and pull out and and, uh, emphasize right now is this idea that when he's talking to him, he says, God's made this all set up. For this purpose, verse 27, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. God's made it so that we want to. We've got something in us, whether we're going to pay attention to it or not. We want to seek God. And God's the only thing that's going to fill what's missing. And so perhaps... We will decide to feel our way toward him and find him. And if we do seek genuinely, Jesus promises we will find. Okay, there are so many other things that could be taken out of that passage, but I want to move on to a few other ideas as we wrap up today. When they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, We will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst, but some joined him and believed. Now, this wasn't nearly the strong response that the Bereans gave. When the Bereans had heard, they searched the scriptures, and in verse 12, back in chapter 17, verse 12, It says, when they were searching the scriptures, many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. There was a much bigger positive reaction from the Bereans. But there still were some, even at the Areopagus, who believed and joined Paul. The fact is the response to the truths about God can be widely varied. In general, How will the response to the good news be? Well, Jesus 
provides a sobering assessment of how that response will be. Back in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, the New International Version says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Jesus says only a few will find it. So are we genuinely seeking in order to find and enter God's narrow way to life? Notice that the very next words that Jesus says there are, Watch out for false prophets. And so we need to search the scriptures in order to see whether what is being taught is so. Now, what else did Jesus indicate about how we should seek? We can look at a couple of short parables and see how we should seek. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. When he saw it, he sought it, seeking first the kingdom of God, and gave up all else for it. Is that how we value the kingdom of God? Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls, and upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. When he saw it, he sought it seeking first the kingdom of God, and gave up all else for it. Again, we have to ask, is that how we value God's kingdom? That's why we should seek God and seek his things and seek his ways by searching the scriptures. Well, that wraps up our time for today. I hope it was a blessing for you. You have been listening to Seek Search. I'm your host, John Bingham. You can contact me by emailing seeksearch at yahoo.com. On Facebook, get connected by liking the Seek Search page. I hope you'll join me each Saturday at noon for the next edition of Seek Search.